Hey everybody, right before the show, wanted to let you know we have an update to our Patreon. A brand new monthly movie podcast is available now for $10 and up patrons at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You want to hear me and Bob talk all about Mask of the Phantasm? The best Batman movie of all time? You can hear all about that in our long, almost three hours long podcast, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons recorded live between two bowling alleys. I'm your host, Silo Explosion Survivor Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? I'm so excited to record this podcast. Sincerely, Henry Gilbert. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? Well, that would be Virgil Texas from Chapo Trap House. And hey hey, it's Talking Matt Chrisman, also from Chap and Trap House. Trap Trap and Trap and Trap. <laughs> and today's episode is Homer's Enemy. Tonight's inspiring yeah. story is about Frank Grimes. Today's episode aired on May 4th, 1997. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! May the 4th be with you, Bobby. No. The final episode of Married with Children airs. Austin Powers makes us all horny baby in theaters nationwide. And Eddie Murphy very nicely offers to give a ride to a sex worker, Shalimar Saluli, while the police have to interfere like the jerks they are. Oh, let her do her job. Yeah. That's what I say. You just want to give her a ride home. Did Al finally marry the toilet in that episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a fake ending like they got canceled and not knowing it was a last episode mm. until they're filming it and like al gives a speech about how marriage is good actually to some guy i that's all i remember from that final episode well so that was the news those were the those were the top stories on just one day in the 1990s, what a what a blissful time that was! Oh my God, a blessed era, the interlude. When you when it's you know uh, two decades from now and you're finally getting to season 30 of The Simpsons, imagine what you're on this day in history is going to oh be like. <laughs> which uh, which civil rights were taken away on this day? <laughs> we'll find out. So on the line we no. have uh, Matt Crispin no. and Virgil Texas of Chapo Trap House. Previously. They were on Two Bad Neighbors with us, and they helped us kill Barbara Bush. I think that's how it worked yeah. out. Yeah. Also, we're going to take some credit for George H.W. It was a few. It was a little while later, but I feel like he died because he died of grief, much like uh, Marge would have if Frederick Tatum had killed uh, Homer in the ring. <laughs> and uh, now the children are orphans. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jeb. Poor little orphan Jeb. <laughs> we should have done the one with Henry Kissinger in it so we could finally kill him, but uh, if it's too late, that episode's in the past. Damn you, time. <laughs> so uh, I think we reached out to you guys, and were they the ones who really wanted to do this one, or did we pick it for them? I totally forget what the plan um, I think they were definitely down for yeah, this. I know they have some theories we've been hearing about uh, before the recording. Oh, yes, we've got theories. Lots and lots of theories. Yes. But, I mean, in case listeners didn't hear our last one, I mean, it feels weird even having to introduce the idea of Chapo to, to our listeners, but you guys are uh, popular leftist podcasters. Yeah, we're the bad boys of the internet radio. <laughs> For frat bros is kind of how we view ourselves yeah. and are viewed by society at large. Yeah. We love uh, pulling pranks and hijinks against the Dean. <laughs> Hate 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 the dean. You're the you're the man cows of the left. Yeah. 
And uh, your book is uh, is a perfect Christmas gift. I know this is coming out right around Christmas, this episode. So, Oh, yes, that holiday. Yes, the, our book, The Chapo Guide to Revolution, a manifesto against logic, facts, and reason, New York Times bestseller, still available in a hardcover at all major book retailers nationwide and can in the UK, as well as probably your local independent bookseller. Homer's Enemy is a major episode of the show, for sure. So I'm glad we could get such cool dudes back on here for this episode yeah some people consider it to be the true series finale of the simpsons just that final shot is just like <laughs> barry and grimes and the simpsons spoilers frank grimes is dead <laughs> yeah i actually have to say that i i believe i agree with that i agree with that theory that 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 was sort of the fulcrum of the series and that it really shouldn't have continued after that that it's all downhill from there i mean not in a straight line obviously you had some great episodes after it but yeah. i feel like it's just sort of poisoned the well uh and 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 was a harbinger for just sort of the creeping cynicism and and frankly mean spiritedness of the show going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as a result, it's just it was just sort of that you know that first pinky tremor to let you know that Parkinson's was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time uh, this was not a beloved episode, and it's gone on to become one of yeah. uh, the fan favorites. I think uh, we were all a lot younger. We were the kids who were watching it, and uh, we grew up loving it. And but I think at the time it was just like this is too dark, this is too weird. There's no real guest star to play this character. What is happening in this episode? Yeah. So something I've read, and I really cannot remember where I read this. It might have been in that big profile of George Meyer, actually, where he or one of the creators of the show, one of the writers, was commenting on the divisiveness of this episode and suggested that it was a generational thing. Because if you were someone who grew up with the show, you loved this episode. And if you were someone who was, you know, older, and I, I guess you would have been a boomer at that point, or, or, late, or older Gen Xer, this this one left a bad taste in your mouth. So, I don't know, that that scans for me. I grew up with the show, and I think it's a fantastic episode. I As, uh, as far as I remember, when I saw this when it was new, I did really like this episode. I didn't love it. It wasn't my, like, a top ten for me, but I enjoyed it when it was new. So, I was surprised to hear that there was such a backlash in the then online community of The Simpsons to this episode yeah i i bet don del grande had a, had a lot to say about this one <laughs> oh actually uh you you've had a great suggestion beforehand to Ooh. look up some old reviews i did go to the Ooh. simpsons archive to see did, some then current reviews of it so did del grande weigh in on this one um not in uh, my research no, but uh asleep at the switch again by the way is this weird that my mental image of him is just a really fat guy <laughs> <laughs> it's the comic book guy. Yeah. It, it, it's literally comic book. Well, his guy. name is Del Grande. You know, which <laughs> I picture he's a my large, favorite Taco Bell item. It's a large man in a Panama hat. You know, uh, fanning himself in the Caribbean sun. <laughs> that's a different Simpsons character. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just describing that character. Well, that's my mental image of. Well, so here are a few of the D D plus and D minus reviews I could find up there uh ryan johnson says another disaster they made homer way too dumb this time he used to be charmingly naive but it's been taken to a level where it's no longer funny frowny face hmm 
Then Margaret Jones says, I didn't really like Homer's enemy. Aside from a couple gags, this episode was just not funny to me. There's nothing amusing, in my humble opinion, about constantly picking on a guy who has had as many tough breaks as Grimes did. His death added insult to injury. What have the writers come to? Hmm. And this last one here, Jonathan S. Haas wrote, does anyone continue to deny that the Simpsons are going downhill? I didn't laugh the entire episode, although I caught several failed gags. Ooh. <coughs> More... Oh, nothing gets by this guy. <laughs> More of the Homer is too stupid to live shtick. A subplot that was pointless and unfunny. Boring appearances of Ralph Wiggum and Martin Prince. At least this season is almost over. Wow, no one is hating it for the reasons I would have assumed. Yeah. That guy seemed proud to observe a joke was happening and not laugh at it. <laughs> I did not smile once. That's right. <laughs> Martin Prince even let me down. Martin Prince, the my favorite character. Well, for this episode, the sort of high-level concept that I didn't really get as a kid uh, is that what if a real person entered a sitcom world yes. and had to react to just the enormous success of this cartoonish, horrible man that is the mm. star of the show? But I think now that I watched it again, uh, even later than you know when I got the DVDs, I feel like there is also the cultural commentary of just the failure of meritocracy and how yes. uh, people, uh, it breaks their brains sometimes. That's when they, what I love yeah. about it, yeah, now. So, yeah, when I, when I was a kid also, I, I never picked up on this, that conceit of it, that he here's a normal person, how a normal person would react, for two reasons. One, they don't really ever suggest that or even wink at it, except to deliver this kind of meta commentary about the show, the, these, like, callbacks to when Homer was in space and so on, to the cartoony stuff. But also because Frank Grimes isn't a straight man in this, in this episode. Like, he is a funny character on his own. Like his his mannerisms are funny. His way of talking are funny, and he kind of like uh, uh, he presages like these awkward, nerdy characters like like uh, Dwight Schrute later on. He's having a normal one, as you guys would say <laughs> in this episode. He's. I looked back on this. I remember this as the way Josh Weinstein on the commentary pitches it, which is a normal man destroyed by a cartoon world. But when I watched it, like Frank Grimes is not that. He's not a normal man. And a couple times he becomes basically a Randian type dude who all but complains about parasites leeching off of him yeah yeah you coast through life yeah yeah leeching off of hard-working people like me he yeah, would you might be, as well be talking about welfare reform he would be on the incel subreddit today complaining about how he deserves a girlfriend and i work with this this fat cultural marxist with a beautiful wife the Virgin, Frank Grimes, and the Chad Homer Simpson. <laughs> that is this episode. That's that's how I perceive it, honestly, as opposed to the Weinstein's high concept pitch. Well, and they, they mentioned on the commentary, too, a, a thing I didn't know about it, that in the, one of their original character designs of Grimes, he was a little musclier, and he looked more like a military-type dude. But that they decided, like, no, he needs to be skinnier and more, like, defeated, I think, too. Mus the muscles would make him too, too imposing, I think. Too much of a threat, yeah. Yeah. And usually, uh, well, sometimes, you know, their their players will play a character before they can cast the celebrity or get the celebrity in. But they did keep Hank Azaria as the voice. And I love the voice. On the on the commentary, Hank Azaria is like, ah, you, should, you guys should have gotten somebody. Because he says he's not doing an imitation of Jim William H. Macy, but he's trying to do that kind of performance. Like, he's a guy who mm. is so restrained, he doesn't even really know how to freak out. So when he is freaking out, he's just going, bah, bah, like that at the end. He's just trying to figure yeah. out how to be mad. Like Fargo. Like Fargo, William H. Macy. 
Stacy. Yes. Yeah. It's a great performance by him, considering how often he'd done the show, how many voices he'd done, to just kind of pull out a new voice that doesn't have a gimmick to it, doesn't have an accent, isn't a, a direct analog or an impression, but is still distinct from yeah. his other voices he does and his own voice. Very impressive. Now, did they at least try to find a celebrity guest for Grimes? They said they always wanted it to be Azaria, though. Azaria remembered it as them trying to get a celebrity, but I'm going to go with the producers on that one. That yeah. they, they, they wanted it to be him the whole time. I mean, though, it does seem like something you'd pitch for a celebrity first just to, like, goose ratings or whatever. Sure, yeah. That would make it more like the Rodney Dangerfield episode, you know? If they'd gotten William H. Macy, then we wouldn't remember this as, like, the critique of the show would be remembered as, like, now... William H. Macy from Fargo yeah. comes to The Simpsons just like Rodney Dangerfield is basically his back-to-school character <laughs> living with The Simpsons in that episode. Yeah, no, I I don't think it would have worked with it. With, it wouldn't have worked as well if it works for you. Somebody in Parachute again. It, it feels like, because like you can't really make the pitch that it's somebody from a real world if it's a recognizable celebrity. That's sort of the opposite of the real world. Whereas if it's a, a, a trained voice technician like... Haggis area creating a, a character that that does feel more organic i also now see this as this episode is kind of a repudiation of the things bill and josh did not like about the simpsons that they had to deal with in their past like they really did not like deep space homer which yeah. gets a direct Ooh. shout out in here whoa they also really didn't like how mean and stupid and cruel homer could be in the seasons before them like in dave merkin seasons they did jokes which i loved in like homie the clown homer causes a 30 car pileup that then immediately <laughs> lights on fire like he kills all those people <laughs> the cars all explode those people are dead uh, they're, they're dead. dead now they're dead everyone's dead <laughs> homer really is an indifferent murderer in the david merkin years <laughs> yes very he's much gonna so. give ned's noggin a flog in <laughs> so what are they doing what are what are oakley and weinstein doing with this episode except to to satirize that by making homer even more callous i think so i think they're just showing like if you if you were to play play that type of homer which they in a lot of episodes don't want that type of homer they want a homer who is more easy to like see his side of things and embrace him like this homer is a guy who is the meanest homer he could be this is jerk ass homer but they want to show how i think they need to turn that up for the plot of the episode to be how would you deal with a guy who only exists to be a creation of jokes but is living in your yeah, real world i like that well the funny thing is oh you know the the commenters on this episode the 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 alt.nerd.simpsons commenters identify this as you know oh this is the this is jerk ass homer which became the major criticism of the later episodes but I feel like there's a real difference between that kind of Homer and the homie the clown Homer who is I just funny in this dark and unexpected way and it's pure uh what's his name Kenny Dale books the time machine did it Schwarzwelder uh, pure Schwarzwelder like trying to beat a little person to death <laughs> Only because he thinks it's the Hamburglar. He has to stop him. Or sorry, the Krusty Burger. Krusty Burger. They can afford to lose a few burgers. They'll beat a man to death over a hamburger. That's psychotic. And that, like, you know, that's that's this is this. I, I can't see how this episode marks a pivot to darker comedy when that was that was pretty dark comedy because Homer satirized has always satirized the, the inconsiderate nature of the uh, lower middle class white male. I don't know if I want to say this now or later but why i think it's more of a turn is less about 
the character than about the attitude of the episode, which is meta, as as Virgil said, in a way that consumed the show when it started to get bad. I mean, I rem- I mean, I I can't say why the show is bad now. The specific texture of the other than that they do a lot of awful pandering to like current fads like homer's tweeting or whatever which yeah. made me want to die but in in the homer in the, the, in the early 21st century episodes that i started watching with increased horror the thing that got me was the way that they would get out of plot issues and character issues by winking at the audience yeah as as a get out of jail free card that they had never not really ever done in the in the, the classic era and i feel like that self-awareness and uh, creep begins with homer's enemy and it's i I think as an episode by itself you could argue it works but as an approach to the series it becomes less and less tenable over time it's like i said it's the it's the it's the indication that sort of the the characters and the premise has sort of run its course it's been on for longer than most shows and to keep it going you're gonna have to start doing the sort of masturbatory postmodern winky bullshit that will over time just attenuate the audience's feelings for the actual characters Uh, and and as a result it's like okay here it is you know it's like you got bit by the zombie and and you're starting to feel the thing it's time to get shot in the head before you bite everybody else in the compound here's my counter argument to that this is a well written episode in my opinion it's a well plotted episode uh the a plot you know each beat is pretty much well in place and it does have a satisfying ending a morbid ending but one that I didn't think was particularly morbid in this cartoon, watching it when when I was a, a younger man. It's not really the kind of like season 23, we're bored with this premise, so let's just end the episode at this point uh, with some kind of like, you know, goofy little meta joke. My other point is, I don't think Homer is really that bad in this episode. I don't think he's really that much of an asshole. He's very, he's very vulnerable in this episode. And he, his fundamental issue is he wants to be liked. And another thing, that that you know strikes me about this in comparison to later seasons is this is a unique premise right this they had never really done anything like this where homer is facing this this quandary of being disliked by someone because of his success if anything like that's really what monkeys with the premise a lot because up until this point the family's financial crises were more likely to drive a plot than somebody coming in saying oh my god you're doing so well for yourself how is that possible? How are you doing great at your job? Yeah, Homer stops being the underdog in this case here. Yeah, which I don't know. I mean, maybe that contributes to the 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 kind of fantasy aspect of this episode, you know? I do think in the arc of the series, season nine will co- comes after this, and that is a real, like, it's a watershed. To- it's the first of Mike Scully, where they turn more in the direction of where later seasons will go. I think this episodes like this being super meta, they would react to, but also think they not, not only try to counter it with different types of episodes, but also react to and like, oh, this is how dark Homer can be? Well, why don't we just do that more often like if we or they could say well we did kill frank grimes why can't we do homer being uh sexed by a panda why can't we do <laughs> yeah exactly they're opening they opened a gate they they solved the lament configuration and at that point you need it's over that's just that's the feeling it's 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 just and it's not even about the episode it's about just the process of, of entropy it's about thermodynamics but why is Homer dark in this episode? Why why is he particularly callous? Uh, for me, it, it really does boil down. I mean, maybe we should save this, but that that ending, 
and we should talk about it uh, probably when it comes up. But okay. I, to me, it's the ending. Well, okay. I, I, why don't we? Um, why don't we go through it, and you you can all explain to me what what's so bad about what Homer does. I, I have some moments where Homer's quite awful in this too. That I'm like, if you're a normal person, I would hate you, Homer, as well. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So why don't we begin with the story of Frank Grimes? <laughs> Which, if true, means death for us all. And now, Kent's people. Tonight's inspiring story is about Frank Grimes, a 35-year-old Springfieldite who's earned everything the hard way, but never let adversity get him down. <laughs> Abandoned by his parents at age four, Frank never got to go to school. He spent his childhood years as a delivery boy, delivering toys to more fortunate children. Then, on his 18th birthday, he was blown up in a silo explosion. During his long recuperation, he taught himself to hear and feel pain again. As the years passed, he used his few leisure moments each day to study science by mail. And last week, Frank Grimes, the man who had to struggle for everything he ever got, received his correspondence school diploma in nuclear physics with a minor in determination. That's the kind of man I need in my team, Smithers. A real scrapper. A self-made man like me. Bring this Grimes fellow to me. I want to make him my executive vice president. Yes, sir. Yeah, his hard knock life is such a Schwarzweldian, uh, Schwarzweldian, <laughs> however you say that, touch. Like, especially the silo explosion. That's the best. Just him running towards the silo. I don't know what caused it, but uh, it always gets chuckled yeah. out of me. It looks like he did. Yeah. Because <laughs> the silo is fine until the moment he got there. This is presence in the silo. <laughs> By the way, the thing Brockman says in the very first line he's alluding to is the uh, the first UN climate change report. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that has been my reaction since that. Wouldn't it be crazy? if that were a news story <laughs> something that means death for us all that'd be so weird when, i have to say it's been hard living since reading your book because in the first chapter when you just bring up like no the apocalypse is already here you it's just not in your town yet <laughs> i was like why am i doing anything anymore well just wait please i think somewhere in chapter five is a list of reasons to live okay <laughs> And the real answer is content. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, that's what we're doing right now. It's making that sweet content. <laughs> Consuming and producing content. Just a an Ouroboros of content. <laughs> his his life is quite a horrible one, which I think makes Grimes a more interesting guy because he's it maybe explains why he's such a easily set off by Homer because he's been abused his entire life and is not dealing with it seemingly either. Like Yeah, I mean, even though he's not very likable, this makes you sympathetic towards him. Yeah. And I think it's an important scene because of that. It's hard not to see a little bit of the president in Burns just seeing a thing on TV <laughs> and like I that man like wouldn't that be crazy who's the new ambassador to the un by the way <laughs> is that literally some lady he saw on television okay uh and i and i love smithers reaction to it too that it in it like this is not the first time smithers has been asked to hire someone off of television it happens again in this episode <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so here's here's where frank grimes ends up smithers I've just seen the most heroic dog on television. He pulled a toddler from the path of a speeding car, then pushed a criminal in front of it. Find this dog. I want to make him my executive vice president. Uh, yes, sir. In the meantime, here's Frank Grimes. <clears throat> the self-made man? What? Oh, yes, that fellow. Just put him somewhere out of the way and find that dog. Yes, sir. 
camera. Chair goes round. Chair goes round. Hey, homie, you busy? Yes. Uh, there's a new guy at the plant. Uh, maybe we ought to say hi to him. I don't know. I'm kind of dizzy. I should probably go home sick. It also, the meritocracy thing really stuck with me because Grimes totally, he seems to think this is his reward. Like, he worked so hard, now Burns is going to make him executive vice president because he earned it. Yeah. And when it's taken away from him, he's he's already harmed already in his, mentally, I think. What, what, what do you mean he earned it uh, by, uh, an old, by a rich man seeing him on television? That's like that's like saying, oh, I, I went on Pr- Price is Right. I earned that uh, trip to Mexico City. Yeah, do you need to get a, a correspondence master's degree in nuclear physics to go on The Price is Right? I don't know. I don't work for them. I mean, in Frank's mind, he's probably sure. telling himself, finally, all that work, hard work paid off in this. I mean, he must also assume that Burns, by virtue of being rich, is a self-made man like him as Burns sees himself. So I figure that's what must be why Frank thinks that he has now earned his his reward for all that hard work. This episode so is really good at escalation. And mm-hmm. I like how the yes. first thing that happens is just suffering complete, just a complete indignity by Burns not even knowing who he is or why he's there. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> the indignities he suffers just uh, escalate in terms of in terms of their magnitude throughout this episode, and it, it, there's a nice slow burn with Grimes that I like. So, from Grimes's perspective, this is the karma of the universe, you know, balancing itself out. And this this kind of this billionaire comes up to him in this kind of Frank Capra-esque turn, and just suddenly elevates him, making up for all of his years of suffering. Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible loser, and just to be hired out of the blue like this, just to be mm-hmm. given a job, he's like, yes, finally, fate is smiling upon me for all the hard work. I've done, and that's why he's so insufferable throughout this episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, I mean, maybe he's ju- it's justified, but he is, like, this is why I also say Grimes is a character, because I mean, that first shot of him meeting Burns, and he just has his hand extended, and just clearing his throat, like, okay, you're a weirdo. That's that's weird. <laughs> and there's a nice shot of him just, like, wiping off his palms before he shakes somebody's hand. There's lots of nice little character animation touches to Grimes that really give him a lot more character that's not necessarily in the script or in the voice acting, too. He's very, he's neurotic. He's, he's a, a, an extreme neurotic character yeah in the, in the next scene when i see him adjusting his pencil just right and putting his things in place like that again makes him not like he's not normal he's not supposed to be seen as an average guy he's supposed to be seen as a very controlled guy who just lives. craves order yeah yeah making him the worst person to have to work next to homer and this this scene here when he meets homer for the first time i especially love just homer's nose on the pencil in this scene is so yeah. good it's 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 so gross. You know? Yes. My name is Frank Grimes. I'm Lenny. This is Carl and Homer. I'm Lenny. Hmm. How do you do? Wow, you got pencils with your name on them, just like a pencil company executive. I'd give anything for one of these. Any office supply company can have them made up for you. Can I have this one? No. Can Lenny have it? No. <laughs> oh, that's my degree in nuclear physics. I'm sure you all have one. Oh, yeah. Carl and I each have a master's. <laughs> of course, old Homer, he didn't need a degree. He just showed up the day they opened the plant. <laughs> I didn't even know what a nuclear panner plant was. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'm sure we all have a lot of work to do. Hmm. <laughs> hey, you seem like a great guy, so I'll give you a little tip. If you turn that security camera around, you can sleep and no one will ever know. I don't think we're being paid to sleep. Oh, yeah, they're always trying to screw you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think Grimes is also commenting on the reality of the show where the viewer is like, well, what do Lenny and Carl do? What, what does Homer do? <laughs> what kind of weirdo has freaking pencils with his name on it? Yeah. That's, that's a red flag. That's the thing. Grimes isn't just a normal person going in the Simpsons world. No, he's a, a tryhard. He's a, a, a shitty person to work with. And a, and a, a total ass kisser. We're not being paid to sleep. What? You're, are you getting any more money than anybody else? You're. <laughs> why are you uh, looking out for the boss? his interest what's wrong with you yeah frankly i mean how like just in this in the first three minutes of this episode how do you not immediately just side with homer i normally do in this case yeah, yeah. and homer has some sort of admiration for grimy he, he likes his <laughs> pencils he's very excited to meet him he's just trying to help too yeah we do know now definitively that nobody at the plant is aware of project bootstrap <laughs> that is true <laughs> the listeners of this show will be mad if i don't uh, admit a continuity error here homer did not get his job when the plant opened in i married march he goes to the plant and the plant is already fully operational and working there when he applies for it so that's wrong and that's that was a mistake i married marge right yes yeah, yeah. what the plant was had just opened then right it was the new plant so i don't think they say that i'm not remembering for i don't really think that there's any they they never do any throat clear because they, they had and this is another thing that is another mark and that maybe it is pedantic but that's one of those things that bugs me about later simpsons episodes where they just don't care about the flipping uh continuity and 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 the canon that bothers me it shouldn't i feel like virgil but it does bother me when they just say, now nah, we're going to forget all of that. Funnily enough, it doesn't bother me because I've never viewed this show as, as trying to create a coherent canon. Because even in the earlier seasons, they went, you know, they went back on this stuff a lot. Like, that's never really, they never really had a, a firm series Bible or something. I think it is well, a rare uh, slip up for these showrunners because I think out of all the showrunners, they respected the history of the show the most. And <clears throat> whatever canon that was easy to stick to. Yeah, making, making Flanders 60 years old is an unforgivable thing. I'm sorry. Uh, well, that's you can blame that on Mike Scully. That's not this, these guys. If you watch, clo if you look closely later in this episode, uh, another screw up. You'll see Maggie is a college student. <laughs> <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this special dietetic episode of Talking Simpsons. And want to thank again our special guests, Matt Chrisman and Virgil Texas from Chapo Trap House. We love having them back on here to chat about some classic Simpsons. And you should definitely check out their podcast and the Chapo book. And just like Chapo Trap House, Talking Simpsons is supported by Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you can support the show and make it happen. And as part of your bonuses, you'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. You could be hearing the Simpsons spinoff showcase right now. Not only that, but you'd also get ad-free and week early episodes of our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where me and Bob and a guest go through a different animated series in the Talking Simpsons style each and every week. Plus, you'll get tons of exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash talking simpsons like over a dozen interviews with folks who have worked on the simpsons in some cases since the very beginning mike reese david silverman mark kirkland bill oakley josh weinstein mike scully bill morrison nell scoville so many awesome interviews you should check out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if you sign up at the ten dollar level you'll get access to our premium once a month what a cartoon movie podcast where me and bob go through a different animated film in the 
same way like Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, and Kiki's Delivery Service. See all of that and so much more in the Talking Simpsons Network if you sign up at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Would you like one of your own Talking Simpsons t-shirts, just like a t-shirt executive would have? Then you should check out both Talking Simpsons t-shirts on sale at shirtsickle.com or at tiny.cc slash talking shirt. If you check them out there, you'll see one, our beautiful sky blue t-shirt in the style of the Ion Springfield logo and our black death metal t-shirt that's a tribute to our death jingle both designed by wonderful friend of the show and previous guest nina matsumoto check out both of those at shirtsickle.com like popsicle but with shirt in place of pop or go to tiny.cc slash talking shirt It's also easy to forget that Lenny and Carl have master's degrees, too. That doesn't really come up later. I There are some bits here, too, that I, I like uh, metatextually. That, that Frank Grimes is a guy who is cast in a sitcom that will not act like a sitcom character. When he's told a joke by Homer, he, uh, Homer just says a line that's a joke of the nuclear panner plant. And Grimes just like, they give him a second, they're like, huh. <laughs> anyway, it's like, no, that is not how you react to a jokey line given to you in a sitcom. He's He is failing as a sitcom character, which in a way I think is why the reality rejects him at the uh, by the end of this. Huh. Yeah, he's just not a fun person. He's got peasant mindset. You know, I how can I increase my boss's profit margin today <laughs> by working as efficiently as possible? Well, what it fixed Grimes is if he had just admitted the meritocracy failed him the second Burns hired a dog instead of him as executive vice president. That should have made him go, like, why am I working that hard at this thing? But he still sticks with it and is giving people shit for bothering to talk to each other at work. Yeah, I mean, my personal thesis is this episode is just a, a, a condemnation of the myth of meritocracy in America. Oh, and me, also this episode, another weird thing about it, watching it again, is like, it doesn't really need a B-plot. This could be the whole episode. Yeah, I'm I, not the biggest fan of this, even though it does connect in some way. It's just some fun visual gags, but it, I guess it just amounts to a minute and 30 seconds of Bart yeah. fun. And Bart, Bart and Milhouse fun at the, uh, at the, at the warehouse. I think the B plot maybe is meant to like make the grime stuff feel even weirder because like you on the side, you have Bart owning a factory, which only comes up in one line, but it's just an extra like dagger to pierce uh, Frank Grimes when he hears about it. Yeah. There's not that much about the B plot. That's interesting. Like the jokes aren't really that great or anything. I always just remembered it fondly because I remember thinking as a kid, oh, can I do that? Is that a real thing I could do? That's what I, I do love that about. And it reminds me uh, as a kid that I would sometimes help my mom with stuff at, at her job. She worked in an office, like uh, the lawyer's office. During the summer, I'd help a couple times. And I just thought of like all the leftover office supplies are like, oh, this is an old typewriter nobody wants. And I was like, boy, what if I could play with that? That's This yeah. fulfilled that weird childhood dream of mine. Well, my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio is like about 60% abandoned factories. Mm-hmm. So I easily could have lived out Bart's fantasy here yeah that's i was thinking that i mean as a, uh, as a child that's a really novel idea to spend a dollar 
and own a a d- d- dilapidated you know warehouse or factory or something just for the hell of it. But as an adult, I mean, it seems I'm in a great position to just buy property in our hollowing uh, midwestern post-industrial cities. But it's just the, the charm isn't there anymore. I don't know. Have I just grown up? Have I lost that sense of childlike wonder? <laughs> I also, when I think of having to settle for things in uh, at a government office, I do think of having to settle for Nitsy. <laughs> Marge talking herself into a Nitsy uh, plate. But that's just a quick throwaway thing. So we get back to Homer. Homer and Grimes trying to hang out. Like, this is... Homer, I think, is pretty awful in this scene, actually. So... How's it going, Grimey? I'd appreciate it if you'd stay out of my office, Simpson. (laughs) I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. (laughs) Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ball So, what's new, Grimey? Simpson, I got a 513. No, a 513. In your procedures manual, a 513? Look at your control panel. Oh! A 513. I'll handle it. That got it. I think he learned that move from Bart on the road with the soda. Yeah, it's it's kind of a repeated joke, actually. <laughs> but no one is calling him saying, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, why is he so bad there? Well, he endangered the life of everyone in 50-mile radius of the nuclear power plant. That's him in the, the Meltdown episode and from, like, what, season three? We've no, it's well established that he's just bad at his job. It seems to work out for him usually, too. Well, I, I think we're, we are now given the lens of a regular person to, to, as a bystander, where mm-hmm. like the viewer is like, oh, that's silly Homer. But then there's like a quote-unquote real person in horror at the things that are Who happening. almost like exploded in nuclear death with Homer. Well, we don't even know what a 513 is. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that, like a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 513 is, well, we're out of... Uh, we're out of coffee filters in the break room. <laughs> I don't think. I, I think. I I guess, but that seemed like a lot of sirens and whistles. For also, I like want to know how is this the fault of Homer and not the fault of the man who owns the plant and is is has consistently been cutting corners on various safety mechanisms up to the point of hiring this man. Like that's where the ultimate responsibility is. Oh, sure, sure. Well, on that later in the episode when Grimes is naming all the things that Homer does wrong and why you should be fired, he doesn't blame the power structure beyond that. He's just like, Homer is the problem here, guys, not not the, the fact that this man hasn't been fired or even reprimanded. Like, be mad at that system, but he kind of yeah. can't be mad at business. Yeah, I don't he think. has to trust the system. That's what his mindset. Yeah. Now, Grimes is reactionary. Grimes is fash. Grimes is fash. And you know what Homer, Homer is gritty. Yeah. That's how Gritty would react to things. Grimes Grimes has false consciousness. That's all it is. The only thing like I think the only thing that's really bad about Homer here is he's just annoying. He's just like, oh, he's just an annoying man. Well, and right before this, unless Homer is illiterate, he knowingly stole all those things from Frank Grimes, his food, his all of his pencils. The dietetic lunch. <laughs> his dietetic lunch. He's got like a bandolier of pencils around him. <laughs> No, all right. He's 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 inconsiderate, but he's genial. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I would rather have my lunch 
thank you than than have to inter- than not interact with a bluff hardy oaf. Yeah, sure. You don't want to interact with him, but that doesn't mean he's 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 venal. He's yes, he's literally venal. He stole things. <laughs> he stole my special lunch that can't be replaced because it's dietetic. I don't know what that word means, but it seems very important. Yeah, Homer knows what that word means. Because of swiping someone's lunch. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, no, I'm sorry, but like the, the, the actual bad actor here is Grimes, who is actively conspiring to humiliate his colleague. Not yet. Yeah, but I'm, at saying, this point. I'm saying by the end of it. Uh, he's, I, he's been pushed there. <laughs> I think Virgil could be trolling all of us. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. He's just he's 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 Homer. He's he's a, he's a lovable oaf. He's not. He doesn't have a guilty conscience. Homer coming in and just uh, not leaving him alone and singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" it actually reminds me of a boss me and Bob used to have. Where I was thinking of that. We tried very clearly to be like we really don't want to have any more small talk. We would both put on like not even earbuds, oversized earphones, and be looking at our computers, and he still be like. Hey, hey, and he'd like uh, jump in front of us, like, I'd be like, well, he's like, you see that uh, new trailer for the Marvel movie? Like, uh, I felt a little grimy in those situations. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's your boss. Homer and Grimes have a horizontal relationship here. Hmm. I'm being won over. <laughs> no, you could, Grimes, and Grimes just says, you know, leave me alone. Just, just fuck off and don't bother me. Uh, you can't say that to your boss. That is true. That is true. We could not say that. Now, fortunately, layoffs fucked him off for us. In yeah. Case. We do a quick cut back to the factory. Millhouse takes on a job with Bart, which that's when it hit me that like, oh yeah, Grimes is one of the only other people than Millhouse to have eyebrows. Like outside yeah. of Van Houten family, hmm. he's the only one of the very few eyebrow guys. Greek, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I also forgot that another of their visual inspirations for Grimes was. Michael Douglas and falling down. Uh, ah, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, clearly. If you want another, if you want another argument in my favor, it's that the B plot reinforces what I'm talking about here because it's the children now play acting at constructing their own hierarchy. Mm. Okay. I never saw it like that. Bart insists upon himself as being the boss, and Millhouse just goes like, "Well, he is the boss." <laughs> Right. If that, that, I mean, that redounds to my point of this episode being essentially a critique of meritocracy. Okay, but Virgil, in this next clip, if Grimes is so bad, <laughs> why does he save Homer's life? Oh, God, he eats like a pig. I don't know. Pigs tend to chew. I'd say he eats more like a duck. <laughs> well, some kind of farm animal anyway. And earlier today, I saw him asleep inside a radiation suit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He was hanging from a coat hook. <laughs> he had three beers at lunch. That would make anybody sleepy. I've never seen him do any work around here. I mean, what, what is his job? Safety inspector? That irresponsible oaf? A man who, by all rights, should have been killed dozens of times by now? Uh, 316 times, by my count. Uh, that's the man who's in charge of our safety. It, it boggles the mind. It's best not to think about it. You idiot! You nearly drank a beaker full of sulfuric acid! Acid, eh? Gee, that would have been stupid. <laughs> Boy, would my face have been red! <laughs> Stop laughing, you imbecile! Don't you realize how close you just came to killing yourself? Homer just smiles back at him. Just... It's a great expression. <laughs> in, in this viewing, I noticed that 
Lenny and Carl reacted no way to Homer almost drinking acid. Like, they had seen this many times before, and somehow he survived, so you just let it go. Maybe they're aware of Homer's status as the main character. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think that they just have a... They've seen it enough to know that he... He is a god-kissed being who can't really be harmed. Yeah, they know this isn't uh, the season's not written by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, all the animation on Homer eating is great. I especially love the economy of him one-handing popping open a bag of potato chips to throw into his mouth. That's that is great. It's a Jim Reardon episode. He's one of the superstars. Yes, and yeah. all of the Grimes acting is so great, especially during his breakdowns and rants and things like that. Just so many little touches you rarely see in character animation on the show. The what is the pink bowl of stuff he pours down? That's the one I can't mm. post like what is that food? Like those buttermints? I don't know. <laughs> it could be yeah. Maybe just maybe it's just a candy bowl he stole from Smithers desk yeah. or something. I think too that's Grimes rejecting the reality of the show he's in again. He's like, that's not funny. Stop laughing. This isn't a joke. Oh. You almost died. Yeah. And and of course he gets punished for that and resisting that role. Homer is pretty shitty to just point at grimes and not try to cover for him anything like that was him (laughs) that's pretty bad but even after getting punished by burns uh, grimes is not mad about burns no he's mad at homer right and i mean burns is also uh obviously cartoonishly irrational here and there's that great uh there's a great callback here with uh the new executive vice president uh and while uh i don't know if you're gonna play that clip but while grimes is getting chewed out by the boss you just hear a dog barking <laughs> yeah i wish they would have made that dog laddie as a yeah. nice callback to like two episodes uh, ago the dog could have at least stuck around i wish the dog wasn't a one-off character just like grimy i wish i uh but yeah actually yeah let me play that clip real quick how dare you destroy my valuable wool and spill my priceless asset did you really think you were going to get away with it i wasn't silence i'm going to give you one more chance at a reduced salary. So speaking up and fly right. But sir, if I can... (laughs) Hi, grimy old buddy. I'm not your buddy, Simpson. I don't like you. In fact, I hate you. Hmm. Stay the hell away from me. Because from now on, we're enemies. Okay. Do I have to do anything? Oh. Oh. I wonder if that reduced salary is why he has to get a job at the foundry. That's what I figured, too, I just put that together in my head. Yeah, so again, Grimes is bad, uh, not at Burns, who actually does hold power of life and death over him, but at Homer. Yeah, it's true. I think that if he subscribes to a Randian philosophy, then he simply can't blame Burns. Like, You know who Grimes is? Grimes is uh, uh, a guy who ends up in a Koch Brothers-funded lawsuit to destroy the union there. <laughs> He's James Damore in this case. Oh, man. James Damore, or, or what's his name? No, no. Uh, no, that guy was pl- was smart because he got a no-show job at a think tank in DC out of it. Uh. He wasn't he wasn't just destroying the union out of spite. He was uh he was looking out for numero uno. He does strike me as a shut-in, so that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He would be like the union is why Homer Simpson can't get fired. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked that line isn't in there. I mean, the show the, the show in the past had many anti-union sentiments about Homer only keeping really? his job thanks to that. Well, you know, nobody hates uh, unions more than people who make animated television shows. <laughs> Writers who are in unions. 
the terminology of priceless acid. I love that yeah. line. And this is a very long first act, much longer than normal. It's over nine minutes, but the first act has to end with this uh, this new setup. Like Homer mm-hmm. now has an enemy, but it's very long because a lot of things have to happen to Grimes for him to become Homer's enemy. I actually did see a couple old comments too. I, I didn't collect them, but that made me think of another reason people might have reacted negatively to this when it first came out. The ads sold this as kind of an odd couple episode of oh. like Homer and Grime. Homer meets a guy who's totally his opposite. Can they work together? Because yeah. the commercials just had the like stay the hell away from me scene and then Homer trying to build stuff. So wow. I think maybe people were confused that they didn't get that episode that the <laughs> Fox Fox's advertising arm lied about. I mean, imagine being in marketing and being given this episode episode and having to sell it to yeah. just like the people yeah. watching married with children's season finale <laughs> yes, yeah well and him being announced as his enemy like that was that was a big vision of oakley what too he wanted homer this started as just him saying like i want homer to have an enemy that's that's where what we want from this episode now we get a little history on richard nixon in this next clip <laughs> oh, i can't believe it i got an enemy me the most beloved man in springfield ah it's a weird world homer as hard as it is to believe, some people don't care for me, neither. No, I won't accept that. No, it's true. I got their names written down right here in what I call my uh, enemies list. Jane Fonda, Daniel Shore, Jack Anderson. Hey, this is Richard Nixon's enemies list. You just crossed out his name and put yours. Okay, give me that. Give me back. Bonnie Gumble. Oh. Well, what'll I do, Mo? Well, why don't you invite him over to dinner? Turn him from an enemy into a friend. Then when he's not expecting it, BAM! The old fork in the eye. <laughs> do you think it might work without the fork in the eye? So is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, Nixon's enemies list thing, this is how I learned about the existence of Nixon's enemies list. Oh, me too. Huh. I feel like I learned who B.B. Rebozo is for watching this show, but I don't remember when. <laughs> I somehow learned about that through Duckman. <laughs> and I don't know Ooh. why. Okay. Uh, as we know, Homer also has an enemies list, uh, which we saw in the Stonecutters episode. Another one that's kind of probably the closest thing thematically to this one. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. That includes Budget Stool the, uh, and uh, Stern Lecture Plumbing. Plumbing, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually, B.B. Rebozo might have been on Homer's Revenge list. But this plays more into Bill and Josh's love of uh, Watergate oh, yeah. and the Nixon Land era of things, for sure. I looked into that enemies list, too. I uh, There's a lot of them out there. One of the most intriguing ones to me on the list was June Foray, the uh, the voice of Rocket really? Chase Squirrel. Really? Yeah. So as she told it in an interview I found uh, very slowly because she was an old woman, so I'm not going to play the clip. But <laughs> um, she, in the 70s, took part in a boycott on meat because there had been a lot of inflation on meat prices in the Nixon administration. So she helped join in a boycott of, of buying meat and she was getting a ton of negative phone calls and anger, political anger senator. She even uh, spoke to Congress about the matter and she found out she was on Nixon's enemies list. And she said the, uh, the negative impact that had on her was that she got audited for 10 years straight. She said by the IRS just as, as, as punishment for that. Yes, there's a right. (laughs) 
It's funny how in practice Nixon's uh, main way of striking the people on his enemies list was the thought audit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also on his list were just a lot of, uh, I think every black Congress person at the time was on that list too. No. I think. I also wonder how many times Mo has used the old fork in the eye trick at meals. So like, you know, again, back to my point, this, this whole scene is Homer being genuinely upset that someone doesn't like him and then conspiring to, to make a, a nice gesture in order to, to you know, show his magnanimity. No, in a, because he's so self-absorbed that he can't process someone not liking him. I think it, I, it's totally it's it's our it's narcissism. It's narcissism to want to be liked. I think uh, I can see Virgil's point. Like after the first act, there is a real turn in who you are supposed to side with. Like Homer is really annoying in that first act, but in acts two and three, he's like, I want to fix the situation. And Grimes is just like intractable. Oh, it seems mature to me, frankly. I think you just respect somebody's views and you don't try to browbeat them. Well, it's more like, you know, I just met this guy. We could, maybe we just got off to the wrong foot. And if I show him a better side of me and I, and I have more self-consciousness and I try a little more... Uh, he he will like me, and of course he they try. The Simpsons do make a good faith effort at this. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable and human thing to do. The lobster dinner is pretty nice. I will say that that uh, must have cost them a pretty penny. Only five. Lines. Yeah, sure. That's an expensive meal, and of course the family is you know famously cash strapped. <laughs> this is, I think, the best scene of the episode, but it's also when Grimes transforms into the pedantic Simpsons fan who complains about the complete unreality of the show that this originally very grounded animated sitcom has turned into by season eight. I think there's a real change in him as he literally steps into the darkness to talk about his <laughs> life and to just evaluate the entire, just the, how ludicrous this family is in their living situation. Welcome to the Simpson residence, or Casa de Simpson, as I call it. <laughs> yeah, what did you want to see me about, Simpson? This better be important. It is, it is. But first, let me introduce you to my family. My perfect family. This is my wife, Marge. Hello. And our beautiful baby... My daughter, Lisa, IQ 156. Hi. See? <laughs> and my son, Bart. He owns a factory downtown. How do you do? Uh, look, Homer, I- I'm late for my night job at the foundry, so if you don't mind telling me... Good heavens! Th- th- this is a palace! Uh, how can how in the world can you afford to live in a house like this, Simpson? I don't know. Don't ask me how the economy works. Yeah, but look at the size of this place. <laughs> I-, I-, I live in a single room above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley. So great. Wow. I'm sorry, isn't that... Yeah, that's me, all right. And the guy standing next to me is President Gerald Ford. And this is when I was on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, and here's a picture of me in outer space. You? Went into outer space? You? Sure. You've never been? Would you like to see my Grammy Award? No, I wouldn't. I mean, that's them naming the most reality-breaking episodes of yeah. the show. Probably, like you're saying, things that the writers weren't very happy about either, mm. especially the... Including uh, an episode Bill and Josh did from last season. Yeah, that that's they, right. Like, they, they were being fair, I think, by bringing up Homer Palooza as well, because it really doesn't make sense that he was on tour with, with all those people. It was a real star-fucking episode. Oh, yeah. Well, if they really wanted to get a controversy, they should have uh, had Grimes go, You you met Jay Sherman? <laughs> you. <laughs> You've never met him? The famous film critic, Jay Sherman. I mean, the B-Sharps episode, I think, is actually the secretly the most reality-breaking of all Simpsons episodes because 
It means that Homer is a famous per a one hit wonder. He is the equal of all other one hit wonders of the eighties, and that people would be hearing about him all the time, or at the very least would be going like, "Oh, what happened to this?" Guy? Like the Homer of the B Sharps episode would be making viral video content now. Yeah. Like Rick Roll could be the B Sharps. I'm I'm basically pitching an episode of The Simpsons right now. And you have but, to think. Yeah. Oh, you can't really be uh, somebody who was a, was a minor flash in the pan, famous person in the past anymore. Like that doesn't exist now. That's your Twitter bio, and you've got like uh, three uh, different agents uh, uh, for your social. You're media. doing cameo videos for people yes. for fifty bucks a pop. <laughs> and whenever Homer is in a scene with like Skinner, uh, Pooh, or Barney, you have to think like, oh, they were in a famous band together. Yep, <laughs> but yeah. that can that's, never be acknowledged. That's saying for Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and has a Grammy. Like, if you were to go on Wikipedia in the Simpsons world and look up Grammy winners for 1985, then you would see Homer Simpson listed on there as a songwriter. And the show does do the thing where it winks at it, where at the end of the episode, the kids ask them all these questions like, well, how do we never know about this until now? And how did you ever write a song? And then they're just like, oh, look over there. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be time for yeah. that later. <laughs> yes, yeah. 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 So here's what's what what what's really interesting about this scene to me, is that it you know obviously the whole pitch of The Simpsons has been you know they are this this you know lower middle class family that you know struggles based on which you know way the economy is turning, and. Grimes comes in and says, you know, this dilapidated house that we've seen uh, uh, fall apart many times in the past is actually a mansion to him. Uh, you have this job that you're not qualified for, that you're just kind of kind of you were just there, just kind of grandfathered in for. You have no qualifications, yet you make a higher salary than I do and you can support a family. Doesn't that mirror the resentment that millennials entering the workforce have for these boomers who are still in their job is it, is it isn't that like one, one of the big kind of uh criticisms that, that young people have entered the workforce is that oh my my boss who's thir- you know 30 years older than me is is a moron like does not understand anything and gives me these weird contradictory things to do like uh hey can we get on social <laughs> or you know, he says, "Hey, I don't understand why you're complaining about student loan debt. I paid for college with my, you know, tips as a bartender or something because it cost fifty dollars a semester to go to college when he went there." And I genuinely think, you know, one of the big reasons why socialism is far more popular now among this rising generation, it's a lot of reasons. You know, the neoliberal turn and the student loan debt. But I kind of think a big one is just like your your formative experiences in the job market and realizing right away that oh meritocracies that's not a real thing my boss is someone's nephew <laughs> or and 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 not even if he's somebody's nephew just the general economic context of uh, previous generations was such that minimal effort returned just maximal material security in a way that that can't happen now uh another way to read it as is a maoist third worldist text with uh, <laughs> Homer representing the decadent labor aristocracy of the United States of America, Kaka, and Frank Grimes as the as the oppressed global proletariat, for whom his dilapidated suburban house would be a mansion. I mean, it is to me. I 
I was ra- I was radicalized to an extent by the I what if you had asked me you know a decade ago do you believe in the meritocracy I'd be like ah nah probably not but in my soul I still probably did think if I work at this place for ten years I'll be an editor in chief or something I'll work yeah. my way up that's what that other guy did and by the end of it and there were by ten years later where there were no editor in chief jobs anywhere and I was being <laughs> asked to apply for jobs that were lower than my previous title at another place yeah. Uh, that's a, that's when it really hit me of like, oh, this is completely fucked. And a, a new boss is helicoptered in. Uh, he doesn't know what this website is yet, but it'll, mm-hmm. in a few months, he'll be turning things around. Don't yeah. you worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, these people that, that you know, who, who are over you or over your boss and, and seem to be utterly incompetent, not even understand how their own industry works, uh, how their own industry works appear to have decisions that affect the livelihoods of, of you and perhaps hundreds, thousands, even millions of people, depending on the industry. And that you have to like suck up to this person or just bite your tongue as they're screaming at you about how we're about making money here after yeah, they laid yeah. off 40 people. Like, say what happened with a guy I probably shouldn't name because he could sue me. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah Grimes, uh, uh, I like that we hear about his living situation because, yes, he enters Homer's uh, house. There are three bedrooms, a dining room, a living room, a family room, uh, just like the luxuries Homer has that he has been uh, robbed of, in his own opinion. Yeah, no, he's he definitely feels Homer represents everything that was taken from him that he's never gotten to have. Even though Homer's life sucks too, like he was this child whose mother abandoned him, and he like his mm-hmm. life they have a has lot been in common, actually. Yeah. yeah, but I guess this is what happens when you let bitterness and resentment win. True. This is what happens when your ability to relate to another human being is mediated by capital. Yeah. <laughs> actually, this next part, the second half of that scene, I it's hard for me not to always think about how John Swartzwalder is a libertarian when watching episodes like this. But I mean, this whole speech Grimes gives to him, I I, I think Swartzwalder really feels this about most people around him. God, I've had to work hard every day of my life. And what do I have to show for it? This briefcase and this haircut. And what do you have to show for your lifetime of sloth and ignorance? What? And everything. (laughs) A dream house, two cars, a beautiful wife, a son who owns a factory, fancy clothes and lobsters for dinner. And do you deserve any of it? No. (gasps) What are you saying? (laughs) I'm saying... You're what's wrong with America, Simpson. You coast through life, you do as little as possible, and you leech off decent, hard-working people, like me. <laughs> if you lived in any other country in the world, you'd have starved to death long ago. He's got you there, Dad. You're a fraud. A, a total fraud. It was nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all the reasons Grimes lists that why he hates Homer is why the viewer finds him funny, because he's yeah. just a... Uh, a bad person, and that's where a lot of jokes come out of. But if you're in that world, you can easily resent him, especially if you're working with him. That's kind of if, if that is what Schwarzenegger Welder believes. That's kind of rich coming from a guy who spent the '70s, of uh, like writing ad copy and recording novelty songs about animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely it goes to show Grimes is just 
fundamental misdiagnosis of his problems because he is rightfully angry about what life has dealt him but the idea of blaming it on homer simpson is is genuinely nonsensical homer had nothing to do with any of those uh instances uh that led to him being where he is and as we discussed the reason he doesn't have it has to go to the foundry is because his capricious 900 year old boss uh, docked his pay for saving his uh, co-worker's life. The fact that he had to go to work as a child instead because he lived in a Dickensian orphanage (laughs) is because we don't have any kind of meaningful safety net. It has nothing to do with Homer Simpson. It has to do with a broken system. Yeah, he he can't challenge the system. He just sees Homer as someone who cheated somehow. I did overlook his child labor that means he didn't even go to school. Like, he (laughs) never had schooling. That's, uh, That's pretty sad. That is, yeah... And it helps explain why he's so unable to deal with Homer because he, he's never socialized, probably. He's never actually been in a school environment where you have to deal with a bunch of different types of people. His interactions with uh, Carl and Lenny also give you a window into his lack of socialization, too. Like, he, he ends conversations with them pretty quickly. Yeah, he just can't handle it. He can't function with other people. Yeah, and all, the only conversations you hear are they're just about backbiting. Yeah, he just he just wants to complain about Homer. That's the only way he can start a conversation with Carl and Lenny. Yeah. Hey, you see that guy you're friends with? What an asshole, right? <laughs> also, seeing him as the virgin versus the Chad, like that adds more to his uh, being mad that he has a beautiful wife because he's... Uh, uh, sexual frustration mm-hmm. is in there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as will be established in a season 14 episode, uh, Grimes does frequent sex workers when he can. So. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, the line is, so my dad great. liked hookers, okay? Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't want to speak too much of that episode, but when we're talking about Grimes' sex life, this is this is later Simpsons canon. It's important to know that Frank Grimes' son would later try to kill Homer Simpson. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that after he got off of the foundry, he went to a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting any sleep. He needs to get yeah. some sleep. That's also probably causing his his uh, anger as well. Homer's just dis- uh, destroyed by this. When his family looks away and can't look at him, that's basically them saying they also agree. Like they they think he is correct. They are just used to it. Like they also uh, rely on him too. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, but uh, so Homer though can't go to work. Homer, why aren't you at work? The car won't start. I don't feel very good today. I am at work. You're afraid to go to work because Frank Grimes will be there, aren't you? It's crazy talk. You're crazy, Marge. Get off the road. (laughs) You'll have to face him sometime. And when you do, I'm sure he'll be just as anxious to make up as you are. No, he won't. He hates me. He doesn't hate you. He just feels insecure because you're getting through life so easily, and it's been so difficult for him. Yeah, yeah, that's his problem. He's a nut. It's not about me being lazy. It's about him being a crazy nut. Well, maybe, but I'll bet he would be less crazy if you were just a little more professional in your work. Just a little more. Then he won't have any reason to resent you. I'll do it to professionalism. <laughs> Chugging a beer in the car before work. Which he must always have just beer in his car all the yeah. time, too. Gotta, pulls it from nowhere. 
You see, that's you know, so that that again makes me sympathize with Homer because he's 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 moping. He won't go to work. That's it's cute. It's like there's like there's a bully at school and he just doesn't want to go and he refuses to acknowledge it. I don't like Homer's rejection of reality. That he's just like that. He's all too happy to go like. That's right. He's just crazy. It's not that he's correct about me. It's that he's a crazy nut. And Marge has to humor him a little bit. <laughs> yes. Well, they're in a very codependent relationship. <laughs> well, how do you feel about the people who don't like you? Oh, uh, they're crazy. They're oh, no, all crazy. no. They're, they're, just... they're crazy. They're all nuts. I mean, we are, I think we are very well positioned to to answer the question of how you deal with uh, vehement dislike from people in a uh, in a social context, and uh, I'd have to say that the Homer, <laughs> the the Homer uh, method is the most effective one. Yeah, correct. They're crazy. They are crazy. The people who don't like us, they're not crazy. They're jealous. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's a combination of the two. Yeah, well, jealousy could drive you mad. So. <laughs> They've gone mad with jealousy. Well, it's all our first. Uh, I- Iago. <laughs> what a parrot. <laughs> I do feel a bit of empathy for Homer there. Like, I have been not wanting to go to work because I'll have to see a person at it. That's I've been there, too. I haven't then uh, binged. I haven't chugged a whole beer in the morning to get <laughs> over that, but teach their own. But unlike unlike his half-assed over-parenting, his half-assed overworking is not more annoying. No, yeah, it's true. Grimes does go too far by not letting it go here. Homer, he should just let Homer be the model employee and just leave. I mean, Homer will stop doing that by the end of the day. We, yeah. we know him, so. Yeah, and again, and again, this whole, the whole conflict here can just be resolved by just chilling out. Mm-hmm. No, that is his mistake to not chill out. That's that's his that's Grimes' biggest mistake, I'd say. So we cut back to Bart in Millhouse one more time in the uh before it falls down at the factory. Them just fucking around the factory. I like the wacky shack line, that's a fun line. And also the uh there's so many great nose scenes. Like first Homer with his nose on the pencil, and then when they throw all those things in the industrial waste and directly put their nose over the fumes, that is such a great mm. little scene there. I think the only really good gag in the factory is uh, look at those warning signs, and they look at the warning signs, and they're too rusty and pointy, so they throw them at the window. <laughs> That's the only really good gag from that. I think that I like the most. I like the uh, well. I mean, I like the fire extinguisher gag, and he's lucky that fire extinguisher even still works. It has cobwebs on it. That's true. Like, yeah. My I fa- my favorite is when Milhouse has that his first existential moment where he goes, So this is my life. Yeah, that's probably the best one. I always like the visual gag of uh the rats in the coffee machine. <laughs> and he still drinks that coffee too. <laughs> no, nah, he's very nonplussed by that rat coffee. But uh yes, here's here's Homer's attempt to be Mr. Good Employee. Good morning, fellow employee. You'll notice that I am now a model worker. We should continue this conversation later during a designated break period. <laughs> Sincerely, Homer Simpson. Can you believe that guy? He's in his office making a pathetic attempt to look professional. Hey, what do you got against Homer anyway? Are you kidding? Uh, does this whole plant have some disease where it can't see that he's an idiot? Uh, look here. Accidents have doubled every year since he became safety inspector. <laughs> and, and meltdowns have tripled. Has he been fired? No. Has he been disciplined? No, no. Ah, everybody makes mistakes. That's why they put erasers on pencils. Yeah, Homer's okay. Give him a break. No, Homer is not okay. And I want everyone in this plant to realize it. I would die a happy man if I could prove to you Uh that Homer Simpson has the intelligence of a six-year-old. 
So, how you doing? <laughs> and I really enjoy Grimes' very conspicuous plan that he thinks is ingenious, but yes. it's just so glaringly obvious. But he's still so meticulous with the with the exacto knife and the coffee cup and the ruler and everything. <laughs> it, it is so perfect to his character to be that meticulous about it. Uh, one thing I want to say is about the uh, a- uh, accidents increasing is correlation, not causation. <laughs> Grimes should have more logic than that. Uh, yeah, we don't know what the other factors are. <laughs> well, give him more time to do the research. He just got there. <laughs> I guess it is his second day. Well, also, though, I mean, what stats will he have to go for? Because Homer is a safety inspector, so he's not keeping... I'm surprised even those stats of accidents are there when Homer is <laughs> the safety inspector. <laughs> also the tripling of meltdowns like three meltdowns is very bad that it shouldn't even be one <laughs> you really want to stick the meltdowns around zero <laughs> uh i think homer uh, it's a fun guy homer being professional but him you know play acting as grimes just underscores how unpleasant grimes is mm. I like his Mr. Good Employee poster. That's a fun... He ordered a poster. He worked hard for that. Right, but he still doesn't know how to do his job because there's a giant disaster that happens and he just sits there. He's eating donuts more sensibly, though. He's he's smiling politely. That's what Homer Simpson does. Uh, Well, I've also... I have been a Grimes in this moment here where... I've wanted to complain about a coworker. Back, I never want to work in an office again, and I hope I never do. But when I did work in an office, and I was mad at some other coworker, and I try to like bitch about it with other well, other coworkers, and they wouldn't be like, "Ah, what's your problem with them?" I'd be like, "No, come on, we're supposed to be angry together. What? <laughs> this is making it harder." <laughs> also, do you guys remember the last time Lenny said that's why pencils have erasers? Oh no! Ah, uh, okay. Let me think about that. I think I'm stumped. Hang on. Oh, man. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, uh, damn. No, not coming to me. What is it? It's from Burns for Coffin to Craftwork, where oh. they're saying those Germans are some good guys. They made some mistakes in the past, but that's why pencils have erasers. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and that, that was Lenny who said that, right? It was Lenny okay, then, too. Wow. It feels like an it's intentional callback, call I think. That's Lenny's catchphrase. That's one of my favorite. I, I mean, and that's right before they announce all the layoffs of employees. That is just Homer. Simpson Homer. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. Uh, God. So Lenny is comparing the Nazi Germany to Homer here, basically. <laughs> the model building contest thing also to me with reading that Grimes is failing to live in the correct in the show that he's in. This is him trying to do a wacky sitcom plot like they would have done on, say, Home Improvement or some TGIF show. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, fine. I'm in a sitcom. I'm going to have a wacky plan that will humiliate this person and then lead to, you know, us having a heart to heart maybe at the end. Like, that's what would happen on Home Improvement. And that's, again, his mistake. He's not even on. He thinks he's going to be on a bad sitcom. He's not even on that. He's just really giving the show an opportunity for more jokes. Yes. A platform for more jokes. And his careful cutting away. That's one of my favorite reveals, too, that his careful cutting away of everything. With, like, okay, I think this is when the, the, exactly. like the psycho nice, music yeah. starts. Like, yes. the the, uh, the ode to psycho, uh, Bernard Herrmann score. I always, when I first saw it as a kid, I thought, well, he's doing that exacto knife, and then he's going to photocopy it again and just have blank space. And instead, he hands Homer a thing full of just that has been cut up, and Homer just accepts it as a regular uh, flyer. It's so fucking funny to me. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you uh, yeah, you'd think he'd go the extra mile and like photocopy that so that it's a full piece of paper. He's not very good at these hijinks, I have to say. 
He's fa- he's trying, but uh, but Homer still buys it in this. Homer, this next clip here, it's a quick one, but Homer talking to the photo of... Yeah, no, you're right. He's not good at these... He's like, it's like when, when uh, Pepe's on the internet try to troll you. <laughs> uh, it's like, why does... Yeah, I expect Grimes to leave like a printout of the NPC meme on Homer's work console. And it's like, oh, I, ooh, I've got him. Uh, all he needed to add was like a, uh, a, a picture of a gas chamber with a Pepe face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> oh, he's trying to make it up to me by giving me this cartoon. <laughs> uh, but no, this uh, Homer's reaction to it is pretty great here. Oh, design your own power plant, eh? This is my chance to show everyone how professional I am. Lenny, tell Mr. Burns I've gone home to work on the contest. That's a great oh god, by the way. Yeah. Oh god. Now, if you take this as reality, Homer hitting his car and not even looking back is a pretty bad thing for Homer to do. He's a bad driver. I mean, come on. Nobody's perfect. But Homer's speaking to the photograph of Lenny that he one of the the best visual gags. Have a great summer. (laughs) That's the line of the episode to me. I think. That's the joke. God, it's just so. Uh, tell tell Mr. Burns I'm going home to work on the contest. You're like, you don't get to do that. <laughs> He's being more professional that way. It's it's endearing that he has that framed photo of Lenny on his desk. That is sweet. That is later, sweet. Marge would have that photo. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not Lenny. Not Lenny. <laughs> uh, so before we get to the end here, we do have. Well, I do like the little clip of Homer working in the basement, and you get some good like Dan Kesslin at a mumble noises there i did get one clip from bart at the factory and that is the closure of his factory which i do think is pretty funny i like this joke just a minute van houten somebody needs to guard this place tonight so it doesn't get trash how'd you like to be night watchman but i'm sleepy ah no problemo here's a nickel for the coffee machine So this is my life. Mm-hmm. At least I've done better than Dad. Aw, jeez. Millhouse, how could you let this happen? You were supposed to be the night watchman. I was watching. I saw the whole thing. First it started falling over. Then it fell over. Wow. I wonder where all the rats are going to go. Okay, everybody tuck your pants into your socks. <laughs> That's a great line. I think Mo would welcome those rats, though. He's got a, a real family He's got of all the rats of his own there. Those like, aren't your rats. Yeah. <laughs> this was a long runner of Mo's rats. Bill and Josh, by the end of season eight, were really into just the family of rats and Mo's. Instead of doing jokes about Mo's suicidal tendencies, it's a lot of rat jokes. It's a rat runner. I like, I like the rat runners. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Mo suicide stuff just just became so cheap in the later seasons. They just kind of leaned on that to a, an extent that just wasn't really funny anymore. It was just repetitive. Yeah, I think we pointed it out before, but the, really the no funeral sign on him with his head in the oven is just the end of that joke. It should have been the end of the joke. Yeah. One, so, yeah. I also uh, I love Milhouse's description of it first starts falling over and then it fell over. And also the just the blank look on Melhouse's face when he's staring at the rubble is pretty great. He somehow survived. Yeah. 
Well, he got out and made sure to watch it, not be inside. That's true. <laughs> he did his job. Yeah. <laughs> to he, the cut to him just banging the door with the bath. That's a really. That's another great joke in this episode. There's, they they get every single thing they could do out of the concept of yeah. Bart in an abandoned factory. All ninety seconds worth of jokes. <laughs> Despite being surrounded by kids and having a sign that says "Children's Model Contest." Homer doesn't seem to realize he's at a kid's model contest. He's, and nobody else seems to care either. First, first we get the kids showing off their models. And the bold new ideas these tiny techs unveil for us today could make thousands of jobs like yours obsolete. <laughs> Our first little genius is Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> it's pretty good, sir. <laughs> Hot tub, media room. It's supposed to be a power plant, not Aunt Beulah's bordello. <laughs> Thank you. Get out. Next. Uh, Ralphie, get off the stage, sweetheart. Behold, the power plant of the future today. <laughs> Ugh, too cold and sterile. Where's the heart? But it really generates power. It's lighting this room right now. You lose. Get off my property. <laughs> no geeks. <laughs> no geeks. Yeah, uh, I th- you really have to know about Smithers' Malibu Stacy fixation to understand that one. Mm-hmm. Why he likes the Malibu Stacy dream house that <laughs> Ralph is presenting. That Aunt Beulah's Bordello line is a pretty good one, too. I like these. Was that the name of the sex cauldron? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that was the old sex cauldron. Huh. Or maybe, That must be the one that uh, Jasper and Abe frequent, that uh, Bordello. That sounds like something they go <laughs> if to. If Burns would have heard of it, then they would, too. It's an age thing. Like they're, That's the, their generation's Bordello. But the uh, I also do like Ralph being called Sweetheart by Wiggum. It's sweet. It's yeah. nice. Why is William there at this employee event at the power plant? Because the parents are there for the kids. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I assumed he, they took a bus or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Burns is, it's a kind of a surprising thing that Burns rejects a thing for being too heartless. Like, you you think he would uh, be on that side of it. But I guess he's, he's an old man at heart. He doesn't like this futuristic plant. It reminds him of a future he won't live for, perhaps. Well, yeah, and... We all know that there's nothing more emblematic of Burns than uh, just being incredibly mercurial and changing his views on on, on a lark because he can and because he's 150 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as Burns puts it, yeah. it's one of his patented changes of heart. It also seems to make him look bad, you know? Mm. Yeah, like these, this kid has got a better factory than I made. <laughs> That's why he likes Homer's design so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. just the one he has, but with a racing stripe. Homer knew to speak to his uh, his ego by just adding an, a racing stripe is a nice touch. And tail fins. Yes. Uh, yeah, so here's Homer winning the contest. And again, I, I did take this as Grimes is trying to instigate a regular sitcom here by like, hey, everybody, laugh at Homer. This is the part where we laugh at Homer together and humiliate him in the story. Hmm. And instead, everyone just goes along with it. They're cheering for Homer. Let's have the next child. <laughs> Look, everybody. Simpson's in a contest with children. Hey, shh. You're making us miss the contest. <laughs> Could you explain your model, young man? <laughs> What's to explain? He's an idiot. Pipe down. Well, basically, I just copied the plant we have now. Hmm. 
Then I added some fins to lower wind resistance, and this racing stripe here I feel is pretty sharp. Agreed. First <laughs> prize. What? Way to go, Homer. You're number one, Homer. But it, this was a contest for children. Yeah, and Homer beat their brains out. <laughs> I can't stand it any longer. This whole plant is insane. Insane, I tell you. So yeah, Captain. The, the episode is ending. Captain Wacky has to win, yep. and it breaks his brain. <laughs> yeah, and he has to die because he understands the reality of this world too much. Well, you know, here's the thing. There, there's a has to be some kind of justification for Homer keeping this job for so long, despite his lack of qualifications and his incompetence. And I think you know we see how he does that by him winning the contest. It's just in his own kind of childlike buffoonishness like that's enough to win over the boss and the status He's quo of the show has to remain the same ultimately well that's the thing we're all they're all everyone's a, a prisoner of of the of the conceit of the program and and nothing can alter it and you, know, you could say that Fr- grimes is less a real person dropped into the simpsons and sort of a duck amuck type figure who is rebelling against the constraints of the narrative that they're trapped in. Yeah, and he's... Well, I think he also mistakes that he's not... His mistake is that he's not the main character of this show. He maybe thinks he is. And he also... He doesn't realize he's a guest character in the show, which also means you could die. Like, if he was a regular, they wouldn't kill Lenny. Lenny could have this freak out and then get back to normal at the end. But a guest character can be a one-off and die. That's a great point. And earlier they proved that Homer is invincible. Like, he almost died 300-some times. It's never really happened before. (laughs) it's best not to think about it. Yeah. Well, that actually is very indicative. And I think, yeah, I think that the idea of of recognizing Homer as the main character, if you're a subsidiary character, is preconditioned for maintaining your sanity. That's like the closest thing that the, the Simpsons universe could kind of have to a religion is if you you just it's like sort of a buddhist acceptance that you are that your subjectivity is illusory basically that the only subject is homer that everyone else is is has only illusory subjectivity and that you should hold it very loosely and not try to insist upon it in the face certainly in con- in in any way that conflicts with homer's wow yeah, it's, it's a real uh, existential crisis he's having here <laughs> yeah I mean, look at the relationship he has with Marge and how many times she gets insanely angry with him and how many times she's disappointed with him and how awful he is and how her rationalizations to stay with him always basically boil down to well, he's the real character of this show and I literally exist to serve him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's why Grimes tries to transform himself into the main character too. Uh, yeah. Oh and wow. His hubris this is destroys him. I expected. That's great. I like that. His hubris destroys him. And it's like a Buddhist parable. There's so much great animation in this episode from his freakouts. One that was pointed out to me that was really cool when he says, "Insane, I tell you," and he shakes his arms above him. They do a thing they rarely do on The Simpsons, which is. They, to indicate the movement, they draw multiple arms at once visible. And that's something somebody pointed out that like Bill and Josh did a lot on their Mission Hill show. It's yeah. much more Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, li- I like that. The animation on Grimes' Freakout is very satisfying here. Jim Reardon and his team did just an amazing job on on Grimes like his his whole speech the his movements in his speech like especially when he points like you're a fraud you're a fraud like that's 
such great animation. I, I love every second of that. And oh yeah, also it explains why Burns lets Homer gets away with this because he doesn't recognize him as usual. He says, like, will you explain this young man? He thinks he's a child too. Yeah, yes, also that. <laughs> yeah, so Frank Grimes becomes Homer Simpson here. I can be lazy too. Look at me. I am a worthless employee, just like Homer Simpson. Give me a promotion. Oh, I eat like a slob, but nobody minds. I'm peeing on the seat. Give me a raise. <laughs> now I'm returning to work without washing my hands. But it doesn't matter because I'm Homer Simpson. I don't need to do my work because someone else will do it for me. Do, do, do. Hey, you okay, Grimey? I'm better than okay. I'm Homer Simpson. <laughs> you, you wish. Oh, hi, Mr. Burns. I'm the worst worker in the world. Time to go home to my mansion and eat my lobster. What's this? Extremely high voltage. Well, I don't need safety gloves because I'm Homer Sip. You're, I, I totally love your point, Henry. In the reality of the scene, he's mocking Homer, but the meta commentary is he's, he's trying to become the main character. Mm -hmm. And it, that's where the mental break is coming from. He's just like, <laughs> I want to be the protagonist. Look how easy my life would be. Yep. Yeah, but he can't do it because the universe is not ordered around him the way that it's not ordered around any of us, even though we might believe it to be the case. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> I, 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 I hate I to tell you this, Virgil, but it is not true. It might be. I haven't. Um, I haven't died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what everyone has ever said before they died. Ex exploring it further, like this episode is about existential terror. Just mm -hmm. like the terror this man must feel as, as the world is unraveling around him. And I mean, I always saw it like that, but just just how stark it is now. Just mm -hmm. as we're all talking about it, it's very it's very unsettling. And even the electrocution thing, he's right to think he'll be fine because Homer has survived worse in this show. In this very episode, when he pours all the water on his thing, he is surrounded by electricity. It doesn't even touch him. He is yeah. fine. Yeah. Wow. That's because he wear that's because he's wearing rubber soles he fell down the springfield gorge for god's sake what would have happened if, if any other character on the show had fall, fell, fallen down there twice frank grimes would have just been a pile of hamburger at the base of that <laughs> homer has had a quadruple bypass surgery too yeah when he was what 35 years old it kind of hurt watching it this time to be like oh i'm older than grimes Me now too. i don't Me like too. this i'm 36 now and he he, he was 35 and will always be 35 <laughs> and and uh, this was the first time we get to find out Homer pees on the seat at work, which like uh, that that's pretty bad. But again, he's just he's an uncaring. He's just a very selfish person who doesn't think of other people. That's just Homer. It's not he is not a uh, it's not ma out of malice. Yeah, no. But isn't that worse? Really? <laughs> they talk about it on the commentary too. It was a choice of theirs that nobody tries to stop Grimes or even really talks to him. They're all just like staring at him like you would in real life at a nervous breakdown in front of you. Though There's, It's shades of Hurricane Nettie, just like the shocked yeah. people, shocked and saddened people around him, not wanting to intervene. They're not sure what this person's going to do next. And uh, so we get another of the funniest cuts in series history. Of With the, the church bell, like, boom. Yep, yeah, <laughs> to, uh, to a funeral for Grimey. <laughs> Frank Grimes... Or grimy as he likes to be called, <laughs> taught us that a man can triumph over adversity. And even though Frank's agonizing struggle through life was tragically cut short, 
I'm sure he's looking down from heaven right now. Change the channel, Marge. <laughs> That's our homework. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sting really, really sells it at the end. It's just like, mm-hmm. no, this is happy. Everyone's laughing at Homer. That's he's, our he's Homer. Hilarious. As uh, Grimes's coffin slowly lowers, like almost like reality itself is pushing him away. Like you're gone now. It's, yeah. it's over, Frank. And I think the director said that's one of his favorite things he's ever animated for the show. Or <laughs> I do the, quite the, love like it. his favorite shots he's done. And the punish, like maybe the greatest cruelty of all to him is that at his, he's eulogized as grimy a name he hated like that's and kind of describing his greatest. describing his death as sort of a mercy killing that <laughs> this too, agonizing yeah. struggle through life was cut short i love that christian view of life of just like well you should continue living no matter how agonizing it was so it's horrible that it's tragic that your agony ended early <laughs> And yeah, everyone laughing and saying that's our Homer is a amazing exit line. It, it but it is them saying like this is a sitcom, haha, we all laugh at the end and none of this is real to any of us. We all the people laughing with him doing a a horrible thing of snoring at a man's funeral. Yeah. They're just all like, haha, this is so funny. The status but, quo is preserved. Yes, the stranger yeah. is gone now. But yeah, this episode, I mean, again, a lot of people think it should be the uh the series finale. I think it should have at least been the season finale. It's a nice a nice dark mm. note to go out the on. One I'd reverse them. This really should be yeah. the season finale to me too. What was the season and finale? the season and the series finale? Yes. What was the season finale? Uh, it was Secret War of Lisa Simpson, the military school Lisa one. That's a fine. Oh. That's an okay episode, but it really does not seem like an appropriate final episode for a season. Maybe they didn't want to go out on a funeral. Maybe they were like when they got that back. Like this is a too. This is too far for us to leave people at the end of this season. Well, I remember yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw it and it felt felt it gave me kind of a little chill. It felt dark in a way that no Simpsons episode really had before this to me. And like I said earlier, it's it's Homer's blithe indifference to this man's death and everyone else indulging him in his just total callousness. That's what really was to me sort of that moment of alienation from the show as an enjoyment and as a character who whose wacky hijinks I enjoyed. That's that's the moment where, oh, what if this was a real person? What if what what are the implications of Homer Simpson as a character? That's it really just jumped out. It was like a Brechtian distancing moment where I was just, oh, Oh, this is what I've been liking? This is a guy I've been liking? It was like a slap to the face. And yeah, I mean, it would be a hard way to end an episode or, I mean, a season or a series of television. But I think it... uh these showrunners in particular, they, as with all showrunners of the show, thought, oh, yeah, this show has to end anytime soon, so let's do all of our experiments, everything we ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they sincerely thought, this show will last maybe 10 years. So they did a lot of yeah. status quo changes. They they kind of um, destroyed a lot of canon in fun ways, like, let's make Sideshow Bob good. Let's make Jebediah Springfield bad. Let's let's do a lot of different things with this world that a lot of future showrunners would, uh, quote-unquote, correct in their own way. I, I've got to say, I always appreciated and liked the darkness of the ending of it i don't know i maybe i'm just you know finding you're this twisted. man's death funny maybe i'm a little twisted yeah i think you're twisted because you see like guys like us the rest of us on this show regular guys like regular us. guys like we laugh at people who are different <laughs> virgil laughs at the people because they're all the same that's that that's what's the difference between us if only that was on a t-shirt <laughs> 
I, I would never say that this is a bad episode or that it's a bad ending. I just think that it is a it's an epochal ending and it is it, it changed the show or harp it was a harbinger for a change in the show that was significant and morbid like literally lit- I use that word too much but in this case I mean it <laughs> accurately literally morbid like a signal of, of of death kind of creeping into the Simpsons at least as a premise uh, as a relationship to our to the characters and as just an awareness of the limitations and uh, the way that we are approaching them as approaching death uh, we're all we're basically all Frank Grimes uh, all of us poor, sad Simpsons viewers, we're all grimy because Homer is going to keep keep on keeping on, but we can't because we're our cha- we're changing. Our relationship to the show is changing. Uh, our memory of all those other episodes is going to make it harder for us to appreciate the newer ones that change canon and change tone and introduce weird zaniness and postmodernism in a way that didn't exist before and yeah we're, we're basically we're looking at our own graves it's like the it's like a christmas carol i mean uh, homer will laugh at all of our funerals because he will li- he will live past all of us as he'll a- live forever exactly yeah. that's it he's gonna be snoring at our funeral and telling marsh to change the channel and all those people are gonna be laughing along <laughs> that's kind of funny you think about yeah and that's what i'm saying it's not a bad episode it's just it's a chilling one homer simpson that's the one that it just, just changes your relationship to the show homer simpson at my funeral one could only dream <laughs> how much would it cost to get a homer simpson impersonator my or, dad or, got my dad got me homer simpson for my funeral <laughs> did, did they used to have those oversized simpsons costumes at six flags <laughs> Could you get a guy in that to come to your funeral? Oh my God! Oh. Has anyone gotten in their will or something, or like a family member did it? Gotten a guy dressed up like Homer to snore and say, "Change the channel, Marge," at her at their funeral. I'll if go so, one bigger recreate that entire scene. That's for what your I'm funeral. saying. Yes, like make that your funeral. You and prank. your tombstone has to say Grimes on it too. Like, like <laughs> it's not my name. Yeah, whatever your name is, forget that. It just says Grimes. <laughs> I would say that would be that should be the next trend, not like these stupid these nerd weddings, like the, my Game of Thrones themed wedding. Awful. No, 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 no. Nerd funerals. Nerd funerals. <laughs> Boy, I love this. Uh, and I, if it's going to be anyone, it's probably going to be someone who listens to one of our shows, probably both of them. Who will be the first to 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 write in their will? I demand a nerd funeral. Send yeah. us pictures of your nerd funeral. Actually, have a family member send us pictures of your nerd. <laughs> yeah, you're if, not going to be able to do it. Listener, if you're dying anytime soon, please. As our generation uh, ages, we're going to see more of it for sure. Yeah, no, that's true because this is the these are the this is we are the first cohort of people who sort of have been captured by their childhood uh, media preferences for their whole lives, and so when we start dying in larger numbers. That's going to imprint upon our desires on how we want to be remembered. Now I just want a coffin that tweets for me. Mm. Still dead. Still dead. Uh. Uh, you know somebody's going to have a, a, a gravestone that says, here lies Beavis, he never scored. Oh, <laughs> that has to exist. That that has to exist. I feel like we would have seen it by now. So. Well, if it hasn't happened, I'm just saying it will if it hasn't. Let's make it happen. 
I think we can will this into existence. Well, eventually, somebody's going to have a, a, a funeral where they reenact the, the cremation of Qui-Gon Jinn. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, need Blue Ghost for that, right? Uh, well, no, he does. Uh, as we all know, it isn't until Revenge of the Sith that Qui-Gon Jinn learns the ability to, uh, to become a Force ghost. Of course. Which he then teaches to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda at, the, uh, at some point in between Episode 3 and Episode 4. It's, mm. it's- I think we've all had more than enough of me and Matt talking about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, well, so my, my last thought on this episode, I do feel maybe Matt has uh, burned this into my brain a little bit, but I do think the this ending is kind of, if you want... This is like the death of reality on The Simpsons. Like, this is the last yes. time things get to be real. Like, them all having a studio audience-type laughter and just rejecting the idea that they could ever afford this house or that money would ever be a problem again for the show or that anybody would even act normally in front of a crazy situation. That is the pronouncement of, like, this is this is all a show. Like, this is all fake. He's right. None it's a of fraud. It matters. It's yeah, a it's fraud. a fraud. Yeah. He's exactly right. It's a fraud. Yeah, and... I think the creators of the show weren't trying to ruin it in that case. I think they just saw it as another genre break that they don't have to recognize in a future episode. And maybe they mis- they underestimated that some fans took it all so seriously that they couldn't take it as a singular moment and that they did see it as like, no, you broke reality. It's over now. And Armin Tamzarian is kind of the one-two punch with this that that's also says like, this cannot matter if we say it doesn't matter at the end of the episode. Yeah, and I think a lot of them get mad at the specific show runners or writers when, as I said, they should be mad at the second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> <laughs> kind of after the commentaries came out and I watched it as an adult, I knew that you know the conceit of the episode is a real person enters this world and is rejected by it. But now, as we talk about it more, as I said before, I'm really just into the terror of this episode, the horror <laughs> aspect of it. And of of a character trying to usurp the main character and being killed for that, I really like that idea. And I'm going to go home and drink. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hubris. It's the hubris of any mere mortal to try to center themselves in a vast, uncaring cosmic void. Uh, I am going to stick with my material reading of the episode. Grimes is fash, and uh, he's a uh, he's beta. <laughs> and the lesson is uh, don't care about your job. Don't try hard. You know, I mean, it just reinforces what Holber famously said in the teacher strike episode. You don't, if you, if you hate your job, you don't strike. You just go in there every day and half ass it. I will say that, that, the, the, that there is good material stuff in here because uh, Frank Grimes is a poster child, perfect exemplar of, as I said earlier, false consciousness. Yeah of someone misdiagnosing at every element, every point of their life, what the cause of their problems are, the cause of their miseries, and and, and kicking either down or sideways uh, instead of looking towards the people perpetrating the structural oppressions that have... Uh, have made their lives so horrible. He has he has he has envy instead of class consciousness. Yes. Okay. Mm. So do a half ass job and also punch upwards. <laughs> I I do hope this episode destroyed the myth of meritocracy for some folks at least. Like I do hope that happened. Let's hope so. If it changed one <laughs> mind, it's good. But yeah. Oh, oh wait, actually oh. sorry. I had one last thing I found out looking up like have they done anything new with Grimes in the last ten years? And oh, no, no, no. There is oh. bad news on that topic. I'm sorry. Oh. So oh. 
after season uh, after season 14 there was no there was only that one appearance of his son so he didn't come back except in one comic book but that that's not canon uh and this the canon is shaky a little bit on the video game simpsons tapped out but in it they reveal that frank grimes is still alive and working at the power plant with them and he was actually in a coma and buried alive that he then crawled his way out and is now working at the power plant still i don't respect that yeah well also there was the uh the john k trios of horror uh where they where the the simpsons are eaten by the zombie ghost of frank grimes yeah that is true he's actually uh, he's made a few treehouse horror appearances but as we all know those are not canon either it's so, hard to tell what yeah. anything is in that because it was drawn, <laughs> uh, drawn by a crazy pedophile so yes uh, yeah there's a bunch of shapes floating around but yeah matt and virgil thanks for joining us uh please talk about all of your stuff you guys are doing a great job with the podcast your book is amazing uh, henry right. and i both read it lots of live stuff what where can we find you where can we download your stuff uh online obviously at chapo trap house just type that into your search engine of choice and something will come up probably uh as well you can also buy the book the chapo guide to revolution a manifesto against logic facts and reason and again if you need any more evidence that we don't live in a meritocracy our book is a new york times bestseller if only frank grimes had that book Someone should have gifted that. Frank Grimes is everyone who hates our show. <laughs> it's like, oh, they get this much money to do that? Like, yeah, that's the system you're defending, buddy. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, thanks you guys so much again for coming back. We, yeah. uh, I, I hope we have killed Har- Henry Kissinger at least in this episode. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Fingers crossed. So yeah, thanks again to Matt Chrisman and Virgil Texas. Uh, they're so big, they don't need us to promote them, but we will. Check out Chapo Trap House. Check out them on Twitter. They're easy to find. Uh, they have live shows all the time. Their book is great. We're big uh, supporters and fans of them, and we're just uh, totally flattered to have them on the show. Hell yeah. I We had them on when they were promoting the book before release, and now post-book coming out. It's it's just so great. I love... I yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and it, I just love talking canon with Virgil. That's just <laughs> fun in general. <laughs> He does know a lot. They both are super big fans yes, of the show. Yeah. And uh, that comes up a lot on their podcast, too. A lot of <laughs> Simpsons references to current day horror in <laughs> politics. But as for us, uh, check us out on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That's where you can find the Talking Simpsons Network, and you can get a lot of cool stuff for not much money a month. For five bucks a month, you'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for our sister show, What a Cartoon. We also have a ton of things at the $5 level you'll get when you sign up. We have uh, exclusive miniseries like Talking Critic and Talking Futurama. Also, a ton of interviews, our monthly community podcast, Talk to the Audience, season wrap-ups, deleted scene specials, and just random fun things we like to throw online when we get a chance to. So if you sign up today, you'll if you've never been a member of the network, there's so much stuff you haven't heard. If you like our podcast, it's the perfect treat for yourself. You'll have like weeks and months to catch up on. So many podcasts to fill your ears and brain with, and that's at patreon.com slash Simpsons. Also, if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area or will be there on January 16th, that's when me and Bob are having a our second year at SF Sketchfest, and we're doing a live podcast recording with some cool stuff getting planned that we're not ready to announce just yet, but we have that coming up for us January 16th. That's Wednesday, 8 p.m. San Francisco at SF Sketchfest. Go to sfsketchfest.com and check out the lineup 
for the link to the tickets. You're going to have a great time. So please, one more time, January 16th, 8 p.m. Wednesday. It's a big theater. We don't know if tickets are going to sell out, but our Bill Oakley show did, so you never know. So if you're going to be in the area, definitely jump on there, grab tickets while you can. Uh, we can't make any promises, and we have a, a huge friends list that we're getting in, sneaking <laughs> to the show in an even bigger enemies list, like Moses Lang. <laughs> but thanks again for listening. As for me, I am Bob Mackey. Uh, find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing it for over 12 years now, so there's there's got to be something we've talked about that you like. So check it out online, download an episode, subscribe if you like it, and hey, why not review us too? And yes, that's it for me. How about you, Henry? I'm the other host, and I'm Henry Gilbert, and you can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I tweet out about all the new stuff that happens in our podcast and promote the things on the Patreon and also share fun Simpsons gifts and also information on all of our live shows. Plus, I have some political tweets, too, out there, too. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for the Simpsons Spinoff Showcase. This whole plant is insane! Insane, I tell you! It, it, ah! Ah!